ministry of Nelson Ihiago. Be stirred as you listen. All right. Break your Bible with me. James chapter 1 from verse 22. We're going to 27. Open for me. Tofumi. It's weird not seeing Ayodhya. Tofumi. All right. I want to... Today we're going to share something very quick. Then we're going to pray. Now, let me share this quickly. There is a reason. There is a curriculum. There is a reason we teach. And I want to ask very briefly. Have you engaged what has been taught? Have you engaged the word of God that had been shared? Let's have, go to 22. Have you engaged the word of God that has been taught? You see, a lot of people are not used to a curriculum of God's word being taught. A lot of people are used to the word of God being haphazardly taught. And that is not how proper believers are raised. Are you here? That's not how proper believers are raised. Proper believers are raised on a curriculum. So we consistently hear Paul say things like, um, I want to continue with you for your progress and joy. Philippians 1.25, of faith. So when Paul talks about progress and joy, he's basically speaking about a curriculum. He's basically speaking about um, there is a track record of learning in God's word that can be measured. The TV is off. There's, okay, that's good. There's a track record of learning in God's word that can be measured. So that's exactly what Paul was talking about. Before I go on, I want you to go on YouTube, share the link on your WhatsApp statuses. If you're a worker, it's on the workforce group. Just share it so that you can be blessed. Amen. Or so that others can be blessed. So, um, the word of God has a curriculum. And that's exactly why there is absolutely no point in us teaching all these things in series, alright, if, um, if, the, if, the, if the logic in the teachings are not interconnected. Please, are you with me? So look at this. James 1.22. He said, but be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Uh-huh. He said, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. Uh-huh. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgeteth what manner of man he was. Next verse. He said, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth hearing, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now look at this. This Bible verse is basically teaching us that a man who is going to do the word or a person who is a doer of the word is a man that must remember what was first taught. Are you with me? A man who is going to do the word must be a man who must first remember what the word of God first said. So, someone who is not a doer of the word is not, according to scriptural diagnosis, is not just a doer, is, is, is not a doer, not primarily because he didn't hear the word. Not primarily because he is stubborn, but because the word of God was not captured in his heart. It was not held in his memory. Are you here? So when we look at what the word of God is saying, it means if you put the word of God to heart, 
you will do the word. So a man who puts the word of God, who takes the word of God to heart, is a man who will do the word, and that's a man who is blessed indeed by that word. I think the word blessed there is makarios, if I'm not mistaken. It means happy. It's the man who basks in God's word. So when we're doing a series on prayer, Remember what we did last week? Remember what I said last week? Or better still, do you remember what was taught last week? Uh-huh. And why that is important is because if you don't remember it, chances you'll be an effective doer are very slim. Are very slim. I have a lot to teach, so I'm going to run. Are very slim. So, and that's exactly why the curriculum was, because you, you cannot have a Christian experience that is fresher or more buoyant than the revelation of God's word accurately taught that you have. Are you with me in this place? You cannot have a Christian experience that is, more, that is fresher or more buoyant than the revelation of God's word that you have. In fact, bad understanding or a terrible revelation of God's word will limit your experience, your freedom, your buoyancy in experiencing God's word. And that's exactly why teaching and not just teaching, proper teaching is required. Proper teaching is required. Every Christian practice is premised on revelation. Every Christian practice is premised on revelation. And that's exactly why with these flaming Sundays, we are not just telling you, pray. You know, there is a teaching. It's, it's, in, it's by precept and by example. You know, Jesus, the disciples saw Jesus and they, said, they saw him pray. And they said, Master, teach us to pray. Even as John taught his disciples. It means that they understood. And then Jesus spoke to them and said, when you pray, pray in this manner. So, Jesus then taught them to pray. It means that teaching is not just a practice. There is a teaching to it. Because, you know, when I study God's word, I get to realize that many people pray and their prayers will not be effective, not because they did not pray. Because there are many things when it comes to prayer, when it comes to everything in God's word, there are rules of engagement. There is a way to um, um, administer the things of the spirit. There's a way to engage in prayer. There's a way to engage in God's word. You see, next week, I'm going to be teaching how to. So I'm going to be going very detailed. How to inquire of the Lord. How to engage prayer in warfare. All those things. But then, the, the, what I thought last week was very foundational and fundamental. Listen, a lot of people mistake fundamental for basic. When I say basic, I mean... Um, and I'm using basic in the context of it, it is for children. Those that have grown up need not dwell on those things. But that's not true. The things that you learn as fundamentals are the very things that every other thing must build upon. If those basics are removed, every other thing will crumble. So last week we looked at the place of righteousness, consciousness in prayer. Right? Righteousness, consciousness. It is the prayer of the righteous man that is effectual. The prayer of the righteous man makes power available. Because the man is righteous, he is in God, he is in Christ, 
and Christ is in him. You know, he's, he's the vine and Christ is branches. And in that, in that line, you can then ask anything in his name and you will get that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because of that, the righteous man can get that. But, um, hmm. so that's the reason why we're running all these teachings. Because every Christian practice, even prayer, it has precepts, it has example. So we teach and then we pray. Say amen. So we look at Paul's prayers for the church. Paul consistently prayed for the church. He said that the eyes of their understanding be enlightened. That they may know. If you look at Ephesians chapter 1, 17 to 19. We're not going to read this because, because of time. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 17 to 19. Um, hmm. Okay, let's, let's look at it. He said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, um... When you read this, it's not talking of another spirit that is different from the Holy Spirit. Please, are you here? Guys, you need to respond to me. Are you tired? Uh -huh. When you read this, you need to understand that he wasn't talking about another spirit that is different from the Holy Spirit. In fact, NLT gets it properly. NLT says spiritual wisdom and revelation. I think another translation says wisdom and revelation in the spirit. Are you here? So, he said that you get wisdom and revelation in the spirit. So, spiritual wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Uh -huh. Verse 18. He said, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Uh -huh. Next verse. And what the exceeding greatness of his power to us what who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, wherewith he wrought in Christ when he rose him from the dead. Now, you read many other verses. Um, the same Ephesians chapter 3, 16 to 19. Colossians 1, 9 to 12. Philippians 1, 9 to 11. Let me say this again. Ephesians 3, 16 to 19. Colossians 1, 9 to 12. Philippians 1, 9 to 11. Colossians 1, 9 to 12. Philippians 1, 9 to 11. Ephesians 3, 16 to 19. Alright? When you read these verses of scripture very carefully, alright, you get to understand that Paul prayed that their eyes will see. So, prayer can be a waste of time if you don't know about prayer. Please, are you with me? Prayer can be a waste of time if you don't know about prayer because every Christian Practice is premised on revelation. So the word of God most times did not just tell us what to do. It told us the why and the how. And that's exactly why we are doing all these teachings in prayer or on prayer. You know, last week, one thing I shared was you find a lot of people. And I was talking to a, a pastor friend I consider like an elder brother. I was talking to him this week. And I'll share some of the things I shared last week. You know, the Bible says the, effect, the prayer of the righteous man is effective. So many people love to pray because they know that there is a God they can receive something from. But they will not be saying, eh, I pray and it did not work. Why? I don't know why. It should be God answers prayer. And somebody will say, well, yes, it's true. God answers prayer. But it is not just any prayer that is effective. It is the prayer of the righteous man. Who is the right? And the devil can come and dissuade the man who is in Christ from thinking he's righteous. So it will now stop that man from praying. 
Please, do you understand what I'm saying? Let me tell you something. The, the primary tool of the devil is deceit. What the devil does is to challenge what God has said. So, the devil will come and say, did God say? You've not prayed for this long. Why do you want to pray now? You've not prayed. The prayer will not be effective. It is not the consistency of my prayer that makes it effective. Even though there is the place of consistency in prayer, it is the premise upon which I'm standing before I pray that makes prayer effective, which is what? The fact that I've put my faith in Jesus, that I've become the righteousness of Christ in him. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Please do we get this? So when the devil comes and says, you who, you will not say, the word says, please are you here? And then we talked about situational righteousness as well. You know, acting right in places. You know, what that does, that doesn't add to our authority in prayer. But what that really does is it can give an inroad to the devil into our lives. So that we can stand like Jesus and say, the prince of this world comes and finds nothing in me. Because I'm not living for the wicked one. I'm living as my true state, righteous in Christ. Praise the Lord. Uh-huh. So, there are things that the word of God says when it comes to prayer. And when we talk about prayer, please hear me. The most important organ in prayer are not your lips, is your heart. The most important organ in prayer is your heart, not your lips. Matthew chapter 6. From verse 5 to 9, Jesus said some things that we can learn in, um, along these lines. Matthew chapter 6, from verse 5 to 9. So, you know, the Bible, the prophet speaking, he said, These people, their lips, with their lips, they are close to me, but their heart is far from me. Do you know the interesting thing? We serve a God before whom we are naked, we serve a God who is not confused, <laughs> we serve a God who sees you as you are. A God you cannot deceive. You remember, I, I shared this thing last week. I said, a lot of people, especially when they find out you are a pastor, they want to receive prayer. They say, ah, pray for me. But when you come against the one they don't like, they are uncomfortable. But God is not mocked. God sees. Look at what Jesus says. He said, and when thou prayest, this is one of the rules of engagement Jesus gave us in prayer. When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as hypocrites are. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their what? Next verse. He said, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret shall what? Reward thee openly. Next verse. But when you pray. In fact, go, let, me, let me talk on verse 6 for a little bit. Jesus was not saying that all prayer must be in secret. Because the, in, in the book of Acts, we see them pray publicly. Are you here? What Jesus was saying is when the motive of your prayer is about being public. You have your reward. That's what another verse says. Another um, account of the same story. When your, when your prayer is so that men will see you, you have your reward. 
He said, and your father which sees in secret will reward you openly. Give me the next verse, verse 7. He now said, but when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Now, look at this. You see, this verse, a lot of people think this verse means that you shouldn't repeat prayer points. But that's not what the verse is saying. Ah, the way you people are looking at me. Please, are we here? Please feel free to respond. Are we here? Uh-huh. A lot of people think that this verse means that no repetitions in prayer. But the Bible tells us Jesus at the garden prayed the same prayer point three times. Is that true? Find me that verse, um, man of God. Jesus prayed the same prayer point at the garden three times. But he said that when you pray, use not what? Vain repetitions as the heathen do. Now, why are their repetitions vain? He gives us the reasons. They think they shall be heard for their much speaking. It is because of that that those repetitions are what? Vain. Is that clear? Is that clear? It is because of that that the repetitions are vain. So, um, when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Next verse. He said, be not ye therefore like unto them. Look at this. For your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask. Uh-huh. Hold on. Jesus was saying this in the context of verse 7. Because they think that they will be heard for their multiple, multiple, multiple words. The amount, the, the verboseness of the prayer. Have you? <laughs> a lot of people, when they approach God in prayer, they forget he's a father. He's not just a father. He's your father. So when, they, when you've been speaking pidgin and, other, you know, English, proper English, 20th century English, then you came to God, you went to 16th century. Father, thou knowest, you know. And it's, it's just a religious um, something. I don't even know what to call it. He said they think that they'll be heard for their multi, multiple, for their much speaking. But he said but your, those things are not required because your father knows what you need. So in prayer, we are not, anyways, we are not trying to twist God's arm. Give me verse 9. He said, after this man are therefore pray ye, our Father which are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus then taught them to pray. But what Jesus was telling us is when it comes to prayer, don't be more conscious of the outward than you are of the inside. Especially because we serve a God who what is happening inside matters most to him. Please, are you with me? We serve a God who what is happening inside matters most to him. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 5 verse 23. Yes, look at this. He said, and he left them and went away and prayed the third time, saying... The same words. Jesus cannot say we shouldn't repeat prayer and repeat. Do you get what I'm saying? So it was just the context. Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 5. You see, these things that we're saying about prayer, I don't just want us to pray. I want us to pray powerful prayers. Please, are you here? I don't just want us to pray. I want us to pray powerful prayers. And because I want us to pray powerful prayer, I want us to pray and count miracles. Pray and count results. 
So these things must be met. Look at this, 23. He said, therefore, if thou bringest thy gift to the altar, and thou rememberest that thy... Ah, Chinekena. This English. That, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee. Next verse, 24. He said, leave dear thy gift before the altar. Go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer your gift. So what this means is your heart in devotion matters to God. Not just the acts of devotion, but the heart in devotion. What? Let me break it down in our context. What this means, you cannot be having hot malice, keeping a grudge against somebody. And be be, violent, be be preaching, be speaking in violent tongues. Is the word hitting anybody? There's conviction in the air now. I love it. You cannot hate your brother and be engaging in acts of devotion freely. What Jesus is saying here is suspend the act of devotion. Go and sort out the issue with your brother. In fact, this is the, the interesting word here. Go back to verse 23. Go back to 23. The one before 24. He remained for it to show now. That's all we're waiting for. He said, if your brother has anything against you. Thank you, thank you. Hi, God. He said, if thou bringest their gift to the altar and they rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee. Do we have another translation? Um, <laughs> what this means is, you know, this verse is one of those verses that shows me something. That God accepts a man before he accepts his gifts. Are you with me? God accepts a man before he accepts his gifts. Anything that flows from the man in Christ in honor of God is worshipful to him. Are you aware? Anything that flows from the man in Christ in honor of God is worship to God. But the unbeliever can do the same thing and it's strange fire. Are you here? The unbeliever will do the same thing and it's strange fire. It's not worship. Because we, Philippians 3, we are the circumcision. Which worship him in spirit. We are the ones that worship, that every worship that we offer to God is in the spirit, is spiritual. But the unbeliever can do the same thing and it is not honorable to God. Please, are you here? The unbeliever can do the same thing and it is not honorable to God. So that's why the Bible says, present your bodies a living Sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Before you give your sacrifice, be a sacrifice. Are you here? Uh-huh. Look at what this, this, this um, amplifier says. It says, so if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and while you remember that your brother has something, please, when it's time for offering and tithe, make sure you are sorting the issue now before you give it anyways. He said, before you tell me I had to sort the issues, give it. He said, I'm just joking. No, I'm not. So if you are presenting your offering at the altar and while there you remember that your brother has something such as a grievance or legitimate complaint against you. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean you are the one holding the grudge. The person has something against you. Do you get this? 
You may say, my conscience is clear. Eh, eh. You say, you are the one frowning your face. That's in your pocket. Mm -mm. If they have something against you, at least, you know, some people, they, are, they gym with grudges. You can go and meet them and try and solve it. If they don't accept your apologies and your attempt at peace, before God, man, you are justified. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? But what he's saying here is this. If you go to your brother, if your brother has something against you, solve it before you engage devotion or attempt to. So these are one of the many things we overlook when we're talking on prayer. And then we just say prayer does mighty things. <laughs> prayer shifts things. <laughs> and then you find many people that the word of God and the true work of prayer is not even happening in them. Have you met people that are prayerful but wicked? Uh-uh. They will not sprinkle it with tongues. Uh-uh. Everybody has testimonies. So these things are super important. Let's look at a few things that the Bible talks, talks about when it comes to prayer. I think I'm right on schedule. James chapter 4 verse 3. James chapter 4 verse 3. Look, go give me KJV. Go back to KJV. Ah, amplified is mean, shall Hedonistic desires. Give me KJV. Look at this. He said, go back to verse 3. Let's start from verse 3. Verse 2, sorry. Verse 1. I want us to read this verse that is properly quoted in context. Look at what James was speaking. He said, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of the lost that war in your members. He's talking to a church. Verse 2, he said, ye lost and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain, ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. So he's telling them primarily that they don't have because they did not ask. Huh? Now go back, to, go to verse 3. He said, ye ask and you receive not. Why? Because you ask amiss. What exactly does asking amiss mean? That you may consume it upon your own lust. Please, do you understand this? Praying amiss is praying to gratify lust. And what is lust? The inordinate desires of the flesh. That's praying amiss. Lord, bless me. So I will show those who have shown me praying amiss. Please, do we understand this? Praying amiss. So, there is a way you will ask and not receive because the root of that is lost. The root of that is lost. First Peter chapter 3 verse 7. First Peter chapter 3 verse 7. And this one is super important. First Peter chapter 3 verse 7. All these things are, are all under the most important organ in prayer is the heart. Is the heart. He said, likewise, ye husbands. Husbands. Verse 
Likewise, ye husbands. Seven. Dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of grace of life that your prayers be not what? Yeah. This verse means that there is a way a man will stay with his wife that prayers will be hindered. Does this verse sound like what Jesus said when you say if your brother had ought against you, solve it before you pray? Are you with me? Does this sound like that verse? One thing this verse also means is this. Because this verse is a very important verse in spiritual warfare. What that means is the devil can know that God wants to do something around your life and cause offense to be around you. So when the offense, the offense may even be legitimate. You may have legitimate reasons to be offended. But you know what the Bible says? Paul said that we should not let the sun set on our anger. We should forgive so that the devil will not have what? Advantage over us. The context of that was, was forgiveness and unforgiveness, right? But he said that your prayers be not hindered. So for husbands, wives, everybody, there is a way, there is a disposition you will have. The devil may not need to do much. He may just need to place offense. And that's why you need to be awake. So when God told you to go and apologize to that person that offended you, he wasn't foolish after all. Oh, are you here? He said that your prayers be not hindered. It doesn't matter how powerful the prayers are. If you don't give honor unto the wife as unto a weaker vessel being us and all the other verses we've quoted, prayers will be hindered. Please, are you with me in this place? Something that is super important, Psalm 37 verse 4. Now we're getting into the nitty-gritty of prayer and the heart. Psalm 37 verse 4. Psalm 37 verse 4. Open is like I'll be opening my own Bible too. Ayo is probably happy now. I say, Yusuf, you see, say you know easy. Psalm 37 verse 4, look at this verse. It said, delight also, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Psalm 37 verse 4, like a mass choir from the screen, one, two, go. Uh-huh. If you delight yourself in the Lord, your desires will be toward him, Right? So, what desires is he giving you? Shall I say that again? If you delight yourself in the Lord, your desires will be Godward, right? So, what desires is he giving you? Because his desires have become your desires. It is in the light because, see, First John 5, 14. You see, this thing is super important. You see, this when we go through this list, we find many people who approach prayers with lust. You approach prayer with, with, and that's why you can find people who have been in church for many years, but the word of God is not affecting them. 
The word of God is not changing them. You are leaving the, the car park of the, of, of the church after a very powerful worship session and somebody just drives funny and then you are swearing like a sailor. And you are a deacon. Deacon, sir. Please, are you with me? You know, there's a reason why people who pray a lot get to have their prayers answered. Because one thing, better than what prayer does for you is what prayer does in you. When you pray, your heart becomes Godward. If you take a prayer point that is not God's plan for you to God, if you stay on it enough in prayer, it will die. Who has experienced that? My hands are up. If you stay on it enough, it will vanish. He said, the, the, light, the people who pray a lot and seem to get their prayers answered, why? It's because when they stay in prayer, their desires are being purged. So when they bring a request before God, that request, it has been filtered from impurities. It has been filtered from self, flesh, and the, in the desire in its pure, or the request in its purest form has now come before God. Do you get what I'm saying? It says, look at this verse. This verse is so important. It said, and this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to what? His will, he heareth us. When we ask anything according to God's own will, God grants. Is this Psalm 37 verse 4 again? Uh-huh. When we ask anything according to God's will. You see, these are the things that should be taught. Not just ask and you shall receive. Please, are we here? A lot of people know only ask and you shall receive. Whatsoever you ask in my name, I will give unto you. But the, whatsoever you ask in my name, I shall give unto you. ASK, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door and it is ASK, so ask. But they don't know whatsoever you ask according to my will. Because a lot of people only know God as a tool and don't know him as Lord. Because the dimension of God that is provider is not divorced from the dimension of God that is Lord. Are you here? God as a provider is not divorced as God as Lord or as Jesus as Lord. It's not divorced. Because in as much as he provides, he provides because he is kind. But yet he is your Lord and your Father. He will, because this is the thing. If God gives you the things that you pray and miss for, i.e., he gives you the things that you want to consume upon your own lust, you will self-destruct. Are you aware if you engage all your desires, you will self-destruct? Common example. The things that are healthy are the things that don't taste good. Is it not true? The things that are healthy. Imagine you have to take ice cream, pizza, and all those other things to to have summer body. People will say, give me four pizza there. Macaroni, the large size. You know, but you have to take veggies. Some of us don't like drinking water. You have to drink water among all those other things. It, it, it's just common. If you engage all the, your desires, you will serve. So also, if God funds your lifestyle, if God gives you all those desires, you will self-destruct. 
And we need to understand something, especially when it comes to prayer. God is good. God is my father. Whatever he wants for me is good for me. Even if it doesn't feel good in the immediate, it is good for me. Say amen. So, ask anything in my name must be balanced with anything you ask according to my will. And um, if you delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. All those verses. And you know, that's why when I started the teaching last week, I said, hearing you so removed. That's why when I started the teaching last week, I said, everything must, all the teachings must be followed through because some things will be balanced out and be said in the context of some other things. Do we get this? Uh huh. So, on the, and there's a reason why I'm not teaching all these things in points because I want us to understand it as a body of truth. Then there are people who have, um, there are people who have, and this is something we must be weary against. We must not focus on prayer more than we focus on God. It's a subtle temptation where we focus on prayer more than we focus on God. So your mind is set on how long you prayed. Your mind is set on what you felt when you prayed. Uh. There is a way prayer can become an idol. And that's exactly what happens when many people come into the place of prayer and then they do a quick self-assessment. Am I really right to stand before? But the days you didn't do anything, you say, Father, I have come to you today. But that's on the premise of what you've done, not how good God is. So also, when it comes to prayer, a lot of people have made an idol out of prayer. So they are focusing more on prayer than the one who answers prayer. And this is why we must not, the power of prayer, trust me, prayer's length is important, but the power of prayer is not in the length. God, I beg, can be a very powerful prayer. Not even joking. God, I beg, powerful prayer. So, so a lot of, I've met many people who have lost the essence of devotion. They are more focused on the mechanics in prayer. They are more focused on how long they spent in prayer. They are more focused on how they felt in prayer. And that's why you find many people who say, I pray 18 hours, and they've ticked it. It's something they do once every year. And it's not really from the heart. It's something to just mark a calendar. It is, it is um, one of the things to do for the year. That's not God's plan. I remember someone shared something he said. Is it Andrew Womack or someone? I can't remember. A preacher. He said he, was, he had somebody spent hours in prayer and he said, God, me too, I will do it. I spent hours in prayer, I recommend. Okay, just follow me. He said, me too, I will do it. And he went and he prayed. Spent hours. And he, he, he tried the first day, tried the second day, tried the third day, he was tired. He said, Lord, I'm not enjoying this prayer. And God said, me too. I'm not enjoying it too. Because that's the thing. God wants us to enjoy fellowship with him, not just, not endure it. Can I tell you something? I prefer someone who prays 30 minutes or 15 minutes, two times a day, three times a day, 30 minutes twice a day, than someone who prays just, who prays two hours, 
And then, after 15 minutes, you have zoned out. After 15 minutes, you are thinking, when will the time reach? Because you just want to tick a block. Listen, let me say this. You know, there's a quote I saw. He said, if you jump up, it will come down. But if you grow up, it will stay up. Tomorrow we'll talk about it. There are times where you have to hold down the fort, shut down, and give it time. Uh, especially when it's matters of life and death. Or when you want something to shift, uh, you, you will buckle down and speak in tongues. That one, they don't advise you. They don't advise you. I, I have a friend, he's in Australia, right? Um, no, he's not Pastor Larry. I have a friend in Australia. He said they kidnapped his sister. He went on his knees. Makabo, shagade, gabada. He prayed till the next day. An angel came to tap him and said they released her. <laughs> they released her. He, does, he had his bath and went to church when he was done. And he was like, oh, he said he was in the UK then when it happened. This was like many years ago. He said he was in the UK when he happened. They re- that one, ah, you will pray. You will pray. You will hold the horns of the altar. Zo, zo, zo. I heard a man of God shares, I, I will talk more about things like this next week. A man of God shared a story about his wife. She was dying during labor. And he held the hand. He said, this is not what we agreed. <laughs> he said, this is not what, his spiritual father called him. He said, leave agreement. Pray, pray, pray. Well, I don't blame him. His emotions at that time, no more. It's high. This is not what we agreed, kid. You hold, you cannot die. <clears throat> but in all of this, I want to talk about one key thing that is important in prayer, reverence. Daniel chapter 2 from verse 5. Daniel chapter 2 from verse 5. Daniel chapter 2 from verse 5. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey. Are you ready to pray, guys? Favor is always ready. This makeup. She will remove this shoe now. Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 2. Chapter 5, sorry. Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5 from verse 2. Let me open my Bible. Because I promise you put one hour to the Okoya. Daniel chapter. Look at this. He said, Belshazzar. While he tasted the wine, um, um, told me, oh, prepare First Timothy chapter two verse eight. First Timothy chapter two verse eight. Next, yes, he said Belshazzar while he tasted the wine. You know, Belshazzar had a great time. He was with his queen. He was with his concubines. He was having such a great time. He had been intoxicated with wine. He was happy. And then he said, you know what? Bring the vessel that Yahweh used to use in his temple. Let's use it to make merry. After all, Israel is our, they are our slaves. He said, he commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels, which his father Nebu had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, that the king, his princes, his wives, and his concubines might drink therein. Uh-huh, verse 3. We're going to verse 5. Verse 5. 
Okay, we're going to verse 5. He said, then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines drank in them. Verse 4. Allow us silent. Verse 4. He said, they drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver and of brass and of iron and of wood and of stone. Uh -huh. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over the wall and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. The king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Now, when the king saw this, he knew I'm in trouble. God did not say anything when he had been doing every other thing prior. But when he said, bring the the God said, you have gone far. You have, you have tried. This one, they don't cross it. You see, one thing I see through scriptures is God doesn't play with reverence. Do you know what the Bible says? <laughs> uh, Look at this. He said, then the king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him. Nebuchadnezzar came and looked over all his kingdom. And he said, my hands have done this. And God said, hmm. And struck him. Do you notice the first thing Nebuchadnezzar said after he was healed? He looked to the heavens and said, the God of it. He recognized. Why did I quote this? Ladies and gentlemen, hear my voice. Even when it comes to prayer and engaging God, reverence must be in our hearts. Even in the gathering of the saints, reverence. These are things that we are all working on, including me. Don't pray and press your phone. Uh, are you there? Don't pray and check social media. There are times I pray and the Lord tells me to text somebody and I quickly write it so that I don't forget. And then from there you are praying that you just say, ah, this picture nice. Double tap. And that's how social media works. It is the prayer of the righteous man that is effective. Then the Bible gives us an example of the righteous man. I think I'll talk about that more next week. Next week. The Bible gives us an example of the righteous man in Elijah, righteous man's prayer in Elijah's prayer. Elijah prayed and told him, go and check. He came back. He prayed again. Go and check. He came back. He prayed again. It means that there is a way you should pray and set your, your face like a flint and not be distracted. There is a way you can pray and press phone and that prayer is not effective. You can pray and be watching movies. It's not effective. Please, are you with me? Look at this. He said, and I will therefore that men everywhere, that, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. What Paul was basically saying here was that when it comes to prayer, I want all men that even as they are engaging in prayer, even as they are engaging in prayer, their hands are lifted without wrath. They are not doubting. They have a certain conduct that, that speaks to the reverence of the one they are praying to. Are you here? That speaks reverence to the one that they are praying to. That they, that to the one that they are praying to. All these things I said, even in the gathering of the saints, we don't pray. We are not in the saints and press phone. We are not in the gathering of the saints and then we are doing something else. Please, not... In line with the gathering of the saints. And that's why I wonder when hot worship is going on and people are recording. What's going on? You want to capture the moment. 
What's wrong with you? All the above I said are super important because miracles are easy. But better than what God wants to give is who he wants to make us. Better than what God wants to give us is who he wants to make us. Who he wants to make us. Who he wants to make us. Please, ladies and gentlemen, pray. Tell your neighbor, pray, 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 pray. Elama kabasaida. Rondele boko So I have a few thoughts to wrap up before we end. Listen, better than a prayer season is a prayer life. There are things in your work with God will not have depth if you don't pray consistently. You will struggle to bet the fruit of the spirit if you don't pray consistently. Many of you that, that have this experience will know your work with God changed when you started praying consistently. It is in that place that your heart is set on the things of God. It is in that place that your affection is set on the cause of God. It is in that place that everything that is not that is called impurity begins to pour, begins to drop off by the refiner's fire. Remember what we said last week that the world filled is plato, meaning influence. So when you steer the influence of the Holy Ghost from the inside, right? The same way the spirit of infirmity can come upon somebody and the person is sick. Is this, the same way an unclean spirit comes upon someone and the person begins to express the characteristics of that spirit. It's the same way as you stir up the influence of the Holy Ghost, you begin to see his workings in your affairs. Please, are you here? So Jesus told us when you pray. Not if, when. Colossians chapter 4 verse 2. I think he said continuing instant in prayer. Open Philippians 4, 6 to 7. Colossians 4, 2, I think it says, continue instant in prayer. First Thessalonians 5, 17, it says, pray without ceasing. Continue praying. Just they pray. Keep praying. Continue in prayer. Watch in the same with thanksgiving. Continue in prayer. F um, open Philippians 4. Philippians 4, 6 to 7. First Thessalonians 5 basically tells us, he said, Pray without ceasing. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't have a prayer life, if you don't have routine in prayer, make one today. Routine in prayer. Let me share one I've been practicing recently. And, I, you know, if you have more time, especially because I have, this period, I have a little bit more time, right? So, um, what I do is this. I pray, you can try it can try it. I pray 10 minutes every 30 minutes through the day. You will be amazed at the results. If you cannot do it every 30 minutes, try 10 minutes every hour. By the middle of the day, ah, you say something is bubbling inside. You will hear God well. Are you here? And it's very effective because you will be focused. Again, remember I said there are times to stretch in prayer, right? Uh-huh. I think did I talk, let me see if I spoke on this next week. Yes, I, I spoke on this next week, so I won't touch this. 
There is growth in prayer. Allow yourself grow in prayer. Don't want to pray four hours every day like that. Allow yourself grow in prayer. If because of your work schedule and everything, you can pray one hour every day, that's okay. But on Saturday, ensure you pray longer than you usually would. Because maybe Saturday is a little bit free for you. Please pray. Remember what we said last week, a man that does not pray does not trust God. A man that does not pray trusts his affairs. It's not by power. It's not by might. It's not by skin, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Grow in prayer. Philippians 4, he said, be anxious for nothing. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. He said, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall garrison your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. He said, go back. Let's read it again. Go back. Verse 6. He said, be, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made. So he's telling us, don't be anxious. And what should you do rather than be anxious? Pray. Ask, ask God for your things. Pray. Because anxiety usually comes from when we lack hope. Are you here? So he's saying, put your hope, redirect your hope to God. He now said, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Next verse. Or if you cannot do it 10 minutes through the day, try 15 minutes four times a day. Very effective. He said, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. So when he tells you to pray, the resultant effect of prayer is peace. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall garrison your, your heart and mind. You know, there is such a thing as praying through. Prayer is the reason many of us have not lost our mind. I can use Doc as a testimony. When Doc was going through his tough time, his prayer, I assure you, and the voice of God. Because you can go through tough times. Because, you know, one thing prayer is, is prayer is a strategy for soul maintenance. It is in prayer you maintain your soul. It is in prayer you will not lose your mind. A praying man will go through tough times and not look like it. He will go through fire and come out not smelling of smoke. Are you there? Uh-huh. Hold on. Let me see. I'll talk, up. I'll talk about this next week. As I round off, I want to share this. Listen, you have a soul. You know, man has three components. Spirit, soul, body. But the true man is his spirit. Because the body was lifeless until it was breathed into. into. And then we're going to change bodies but still be us. So it means that we may change casing. So the casing is not the real us. Are you with me? And there's a reason why that is important. It means that the flesh fights against the spirit. The things of the flesh are contrary to the things of the spirit. Alright? But listen, let me tell you something. You must invest in the spirit till you record a breakthrough. You must invest in the spirit till you record a breakthrough. Kenneth Hagin called it praying through or hitting a gusher. A man of God called it to pray till your true spirit breaks forth. I may call it this way, pray till you feel a stirring. Don't just pray for praying. Pray till prayer warms your soul. Uh, are you here? 
Pray till prayer warms your soul. Pray till prayer warms your soul. In prayer, there's the stirring of the consciousness of the spirit within. There's the warring with prophecy. There's the engaging God's word in prayer. But please, I want to tell you, pray. Don't just pray as a religious activity. Pray till prayer warms your soul, till you feel prayer. A man of God put it this way. He said, pray in the spirit till you feel it in your body. Because if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. If you invest sufficiently in the spirit, it doesn't matter how much the investment in the flesh has been built up. Because the spirit is more than the flesh, it will break down. It will give way. Please, are you here? Invest sufficiently. Invest sufficiently. Pray till you get a breakthrough. And that's why sometimes, because you have a soul, you have a you have the flesh, right? That's why sometimes reducing canal things is wisdom. Reducing movies, social, social media, reducing social media, reducing all those things. Take a social media break to invest things. Fasting is not just staying away from food. If you're going to stay away from food, you must direct that energy to the things of God. Having said that, we are fasting from Wednesday. Are you, are you there? We are fasting from Wednesday till Friday. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Aya, if you like, don't clap. We are fasting. You can break anytime from 3 p.m. Aya, you will break by 9. You, you, you can break anytime from 3 p.m. You can take water. If you need energy, take tea, take juice. Don't eat sausage. Sausage is food. <laughs> What he says, just light snacks. Sausage is food. Uh -huh. We're fasting Wednesday till Friday. We're going to be praying on the connect groups. Amen? Thank God you can do a group call. So we're going to be praying on the connect groups. Amen? Uh -huh. So, if you just walk as group, because some people are not on the walk for so, on the connect group. See, when it comes to prayer, prayer, like every other spiritual thing, delivers maximally. I can't even close my iPad. I think I wrote it. Prayer delivers maximally when, when you mix it with concentration. Or oh, let me put it this way. Prayer works well in its concentrated form. So when you focus, prayer works. When you focus. Having said that, it's time to pray. Thank you. Because when it comes to prayer, you see, uh, one of one of my, my daughters in the U.S. just texted me and said, you are, so, you are a good pastor, Pops. Thank you. Thank you. Anyways, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. You see, last week, you see, this is the thing. When we pray, we count miracles. And this is the thing about the presence of God. In the Old Testament, you know, it was outside. In the New Testament, we host God. So when you carry God, the Bible says, mountains, why did you skip like rams? Why did the Jordan flee? But it fled at the presence of God. 
just the same thing with prayer. When you stir the influence of God enough, even things you did not pray for, they will come. Because God is God-centered. God trusts a man that is sold out for his cause. And when you pray, you delight in the Lord. And then he gives you the desires of your heart. Rise to your feet. I trust you were blessed by the teaching of God's word. Nelson Nihagwa Ministries is a mandate that seeks to see men saved, trained, and sent. For more ministry content, visit us at c.me forward slash Nelson Nihagwa. And for contact details, follow on Instagram at Nelson Nihagwa. God bless you.